they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 20, um, 24th of February. So we're coming to the end of February since it's a short month, 28 days this year. Um, we're going to start with the Angelus because it's noon, and we'll ask the angels to join us here as we look at the scriptures because it is through the ministry of the angels that we have received revelations from God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni Suncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. So, we want to look at what our Lord exhorted us to do, and that is to watch and pray. And, you know, it wasn't just in the garden that Jesus said to watch and pray. He had told his apostles in his public ministry, pray always, um, pray without ceasing. So uh, prayer, and what is prayer? It's this loving conversation with God who loves us. God is God and we are not. God made us, you know, it's, yeah, you know, we have all these anti-gospels around today, especially in the movies, you know, you have the... um, yeah, you know, all of the Avengers and things. And these are anti-gospels in the sense that it's like there's some man who has special powers who's going to save us, but he's just a man. He's not God. Well, the reality is, is yeah, God became man, okay? The incarnation. We, we pr- meditate on it every time we pray the Angelus, and we should be meditating on the incarnation, that our God really became man. And he had special powers because he was God, He was God incarnate, but he wasn't there to wow people. He wasn't there to exercise power over people. As a matter of fact, he would win his victory through weakness. In the gospel today, this week, the gospels this week and the readings this week talk about fasting. And they talk about the fact that Jesus is telling his apostles, the son of man is going to have to suffer. 
suffer, suffer, suffer. And it's like, well, wait a minute. What is with all this suffering, Lord? I mean, didn't you come to remove suffering? I mean, what, wasn't all the suffering going to go away in the Messianic age? And, and um, well, it, it turns out that, no, we've misunderstood somewhat. The suffering goes away when we're with God in heaven. Then there'll be no more suffering. Then we will run and not grow weary. Then we will, you know, walk and not grow faint. It, there'll be no, um, the needs of the body will all be fulfilled in our union with God because we were made for union with God and we were made to live with God for all eternity in heaven. But on this earth, as long as we're on this earth, there's still sorrow and suffering. And if, if Jesus, and he is our Lord, he is the head of his body, the church. If he was crucified, do we really want to excuse ourselves from suffering? Or do we want to walk away from suffering and say, no, Lord? And there's always this temptation, isn't there? This temptation to walk away and say, Lord, that, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't quite ask for this, Lord. I, I, I mean, this is a little harder than I thought. Um, I, and it's okay to admit that things are hard. It's okay to admit that I'm suffering and I need help. But not to turn my back on God and say, no, I will not serve. That's what Satan did. I won't serve. And Adam and Eve, when they were tempted to grasp for, for something that the devil tricked them into thinking that God was keeping from them, instead of trusting in the Lord and saying, be gone, Satan, get out of here. You're not supposed to be here. Leave. You're God's enemy. You're lying to us. Remember, the devil is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He always lies. And how can we discern? How are we going to know? And that's what Jesus's point is. You must pray always because we can't know without God's help. We can't do any good without God's help. There is no true good thing done in this world without the help of God, no matter who does it. Even when a wicked person or a very evil person happens to do good, it's done through God's inspiration, with his help. And only God can inspire good. We don't need the devil's help to sin. Since original sin, we are inclined to sin. We are oriented away from God. God made us oriented toward himself. He gave us preternatural gifts, gifts by which we would have infused knowledge, gifts by which we would not die. We would not be sick. And we could pray and we would have perfect, we had integrity, perfect dominion, our soul, intellectual and and um, our intellect and our will would have perfect dominion over our body the needs of our physical body even we would order them all easily to the attaining of union with God that's our purpose that's why we were made and all of that was easy for Adam and Eve before they sinned once they sinned they lost that they lost all those gifts they were gonna have to die they were going to get sick. They were going to have to work hard. Eve would have her children. Women would bring forth children in, in travail, in great, in great um, suffering. And, and we would no longer have dominion over the passions of our flesh and over the needs of our body. So every faculty of our body cries out for its own favorite food. And, and, and the interesting thing about the body is every faculty... If it's not guided by the intellect, wants its own favorite food, regardless of the good of the whole body. It takes the intellect to guide and direct the faculties of the body to say, you know, 
you've had enough to eat now. You need to push yourself back from the table. Or, you know, one drink is enough. One alcoholic beverage is enough. You don't need to have six beers a night or six whatever, or even, you know, just one, just take one so that the intellect can guide the body. But it's not an easy task because of original sin, because now we don't have the gift, which was not ours by nature. It was given to us as a free gift. We don't have the gift of integration. So Jesus warns us to pray. Remember the, the bridesmaids who were bridesmaids for the wedding guest, for the wedding, uh, for the bridegroom, right? And they're waiting for him to come. And you have five wise and five foolish. And the wise bridesmaids brought plenty of oil for their lamps because they don't know exactly when the bridegroom is going to come and they don't know how much oil they're going to need. So they had all fallen asleep and their lamps had gone out. So when the cry came, the bridegroom is here, which didn't mean he was right there. It meant that he was approaching. They trimmed their lamps and the foolish ones have run out of oil. They can't light their lamps. But the wise one said, well, wait a minute. We don't know if we have enough for you and us because the bridegroom is still approaching. We don't know when he's arriving. You better go to the dealers and buy some. And again, that's that watch and pray. Were you ready? Were you, had you filled your oil lamps and filled your, your jars that should, you brought a jug of oil with you? You brought extra. So we have to pray always. We need to constantly being in in communion with God and asking him, Lord, what is your will for me today? What is your will for me in this moment today? Every moment of each day, what is your will for me in this situation? How do I live in union with you? Because that's what we're called to do, to live in union with God. You know, sanctity is not the option of the few. It's the simple duty of, of us all. And to be a saint means to live in union with God moment by moment, day by day. And daily we pray for the grace of final perseverance, that we will persevere in living that. Remember the story of Hezekiah in the Old Testament. You know, the, he restored the worship to Israel um, when, when uh, Shennacherib came against him. Without even raising a sword against Israel, Shennacherib was defeated because Hezekiah relied totally on the Lord. But then at the end of his life, Hezekiah gets this boil and he's dying. And the prophet comes and says, put your things in order. You're going to die. And Hezekiah says, Lord, I was a good king. Can't I have more time? And so the Lord grants him more time. And in that more time, he turns away from the Lord in certain areas. He does things that are offensive to the Lord. So here, as I know, Lord, the grace of final perseverance and don't leave me here so long that in the end I turn away from you. You know, take away my freedom to offend you, St. Therese of Lezu and other saints have prayed. And also Joan of Arc at her trial said, if I'm not in the state of grace, Lord, put me in the state of grace. And if I'm in the state of grace, keep me in the state of grace. We want to stay in that state of constant union with God. And that means living in his grace and living by his will. And we can't do that without prayer. We can't do that if we don't enter into conversation with God. And as Jesse talked about this Eucharistic revival, Jesse and Terry were talking about, and Jesse talked about silence, sacred silence. In our own life, we need times of silence where we can spend time in prayer with our Lord. And I hear that music. And I guess that means we're coming up against a great, no, I know that means we're coming up against a break. Thank you for joining us. I'll be right back with more on Bible with the Barbers. Don't go away and tell your friends and your family that we have a Bible study on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you. We'll be right back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888 
1-800-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, February the 24th, 2023. And we're talking about the need to pray always. And this is Lent. And we began Lent uh, for Catholics in the Western Church, uh, in the Latin rite of the, West, of the Church, the Roman Catholic Church, began Lent on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. And we'll have our first full week of Lent beginning Sunday. That'll be the first Sunday of Lent. And we're talking about the need to pray always. To pray always so that we might be prepared to enter into the suffering with our Lord. There's no Easter Sunday without Good Friday. So we want to be able to to be ready to sustain, be sustained by God's grace, be sustained by God's grace in this suffering. And we need to pray. We need to pray for that grace. You know, it's a Cardinal Menzenzi was um, the primate of Hungary and before he became the bishop in Hungary, he was in the seminary when the communists were taking over Eastern Europe after World War II. And one day the seminarians were all sitting around talking about how they were all going to be so brave when the communists came and they would give themselves up as martyrs for the faith. And, and Menzenzi said, I'm going to run and hide. Well, when the communists came, Menzenzi ran and hid. He ran, he hid. They found him and they brought him back. And, and he, but he's the one who did not compromise with the communist. He didn't compromise. He, he stayed true to the faith. He taught his flock and eventually they put him in prison and um, they tried to get him to do, you know, all, all kinds of ways. They tried to get him to compromise his faith and he wouldn't. And eventually he was exiled and then um, he, he died. And there's a, uh, Eleanor Schlafly had started uh, a group called the Menzensi Forum and they give talks and there, there's a talk and, and they have a newsletter and she was there. She got to be there when Cardinal Menzensi's body was exhumed from the grave after his death. And his body was incorrupt. He stayed faithful because he didn't rely on himself. He knew his own weakness. I'm going to run and hide. Now, if, if they come and find me, and then God will sustain me. And God sustained him through years of suffering. You can look up Cardinal Menzensi from, Pol- from Hungary. He was from Hungary. And but the deal is, is stay close to Christ. Stay in union with Christ. Every day we need to have that encounter with Christ to meet the evils of today. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. The evils of today are sufficient thereof. But we need to pray and ask the Lord for the grace to combat, to stand against, to be faithful to the Lord in the midst of the evils of today. So the gospel from today's Mass, this is Friday of, this is the Friday after Ash Wednesday during Lent. And it's from Matthew 9, 14 and 15. And the disciples of John approached Jesus and said, Why do the Pharisees fast much, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered them, Can the wedding guests fast or mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken from them, and then they will fast. So the disciples are, of John are like, well, and they fasted too. And they was like, well, but your, your disciples aren't fasting. Because remember, that's one of the things that, John was called crazy because he fasted so much. And Jesus is called a glutton and a drunkard because he's not fasting. So his apostles, as far as everybody else was concerned, were gluttons and drunkards. But so Jesus says something here. He says, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? He is the bridegroom. He identifies himself as the bridegroom. Father, 
um, at Mass. I went to St. Joseph's in Pomona today, and Father Allah uh, pointed out so beautifully, Jesus identifies himself as the bridegroom. He is the bridegroom, and the bride is his church. And individually, every member of his church is wedded to Christ. Every human soul is, as it were, as it were, feminine. That's not gender confusion. It's because to be feminine means to receive. And we all receive our life from God. And our immortal soul was made by God, and it's a gift from God. And we're called to be wedded to Jesus. And this is a spiritual wedding. It's not a gender thing. It's, it's you know, it goes beyond gender. That's why Paul could write in his apostles, there's no longer male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free. That doesn't mean that that does away with our bodily, bodily reality here on this earth. It just means that we will be all wed to Christ. He is the bridegroom. We are all the bride. And so the bridegroom was with the apostles. He's still there. He hasn't been crucified yet. And so they can't fast now because they're still rejoicing in the presence of the bridegroom. And, um, but in the Jewish wedding, beautiful, beautiful symbolism was used. And every groom was dressed as a king and a priest. He was the priest king, the Messiah king, who was both priest and king. Remember, David was king, but he was also priest. Um, and so this is what Jesus is, the priest king. He is the Messiah. And so you have this in the wedding. And then in the bridal chamber, the bridal chamber was decorated to look like the tabernacle. Because in the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament, God reveals himself as the bridegroom of his people. And you can look up some of the passages. The bridegroom, um, you have uh, in the Old Testament, you have, you know, God, God, the, God, the, God our Lord is spoken of as the husband of Israel. You can, Isaiah 54, 5, Jeremiah 3, 20, Hosea 2, 14 through 20. And then, of course, Jesus himself has that role. He's now the bridegroom. He, and this is, Paul points this out in his letters. And first it comes in, the Gospel of John 3.29, where Jesus is called the bridegroom. John the Baptist talks about Jesus as the bridegroom. And then you have Ephesians 5.20 and Revelations 19.7.9. And Ephesians 5.20, where Paul is talking about marriage, and he's saying marriage is a great sign in that it applies to the relationship between Christ and his church. The, the wedding, the, the marriage of a man and a woman is supposed to represent, first of all, the relationship between God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the Trinity, in their own inner Trinitarian life. But then when Jesus Christ comes, when, when the second person of the Blessed Trinity takes to himself a human nature and becomes man in the nature of Jesus Christ, there were, Jesus was not a human person, he has a human nature, then Christ is the bridegroom of his church and the church is his bride. And individually we are all members of the body. And, and again, he, we talked about Christ, the head, he's the head of his body, the church, and we're individually members thereof. But each of us is wedded to Christ through baptism. And in the Eucharist, he actually gives himself to us. And, and what are we told about marriage? Well, it says it's, you know, in the, in the, it's in the New Testament, Paul says, be mutually submissive to one another out of love for Christ. And then he says, 
wives be submissive to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So just as Jesus Christ laid down his life to save us from sin and anything that would take us away from God, a husband is supposed to lay down his life for his wife and protect her from anything that is sinful. And he's not supposed to allow anything in their marriage or their home or their family that would draw him or his wife or his children away from God. He's supposed to be protecting their home, which is a, a little church, you know, the, the, the domestic church. And, and the wife is supposed to be the heart. She's supposed to be the love. She's supposed to be that channel of God's love. The husband is the protector and the provider, and the wife's supposed to be that channel of God's love to, to her husband and to her children. And that we live as a family, like the Holy Family, praying always so that there's prayer in the home. You know, it's interesting. They've done studies, and they found that couples who actually pray together every day, there's a very low divorce rate among couples who actually pray together. And remember, prayer is not just saying off words. I can go to mass and not pray for a moment. I can say the words of the rosary and not pray for a moment. You know, if I'm at mass and I'm thinking about the football game or the movies I saw or all these television shows or all this music that I hear and all this cr confusion in the world and all the horrible things that are going on or even all the fun things that are going on. I'm just thinking about fun and the world, the world, the flesh and the devil. That's all I'm just thinking about the world and the flesh and how much fun it is to do this or go to this amusement part or that amusement part or this entertainment or that entertainment. I'm not praying. Prayer is to put all of that aside. It's not about being void, okay? When we empty ourselves in Christian prayer, we're not trying to create a void within ourselves. We empty ourselves of what keeps us from union with God. And as we do that, we ask the Holy Spirit to come in and fill us. It's not about creating a void within us. That's not what we want to do. We want to empty ourselves of sin and selfishness, of our own preconceived ideas, my own pride, my own vanity, my own anger, hatred, ill will, resentment, bitterness. Oh, self-pity, the big one, self-pity. Oh, woe is me. You know, oh, I feel sorry for myself. Nobody loves me. Nobody's looking at me. Nobody's paying attention to me. Well, honey, somebody is. God is always loving us. He's always paying attention to us. And if we would enter into prayer, we began to experience that love. And, and there was a saint who once said, my little children, our hearts are small, but prayer stretches them. And it makes us able to receive God and his grace and his insights so that the bridegroom can come to us and draw us into union with himself. And in the Eucharist, this is what Jesus wants us to do. So Father Allah, he likes to, to remind us when we go to Holy Communion, remember, you are the bride and you're coming forth to meet your bridegroom and he's going to give himself totally to you. Are you prepared? Are you recollected? And you, are you thinking about this reality? And that's what prayer is, recollecting ourselves and, and reminding ourselves what is going on. You know, mass, the mass, the mass is the entire Paschal mystery of Christ made present to us in this moment. So yes, it's the entire passion of our Lord, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection from the dead, and his glorification in heaven. Read Revelations 4 and 5. Read the book of Revelations. The wedding feast of the Lamb. Revelation 19, 20. The end of the book. 
The wedding feast of the Lamb has begun and his bride is prepared to welcome him. Are we prepared to welcome our bridegroom when we come to Mass? And it's not just Calvary, but yes, it is Calvary because all of our sufferings, we can unite all our sufferings to the sufferings of Jesus Christ and put them on the patent there and ask Jesus to offer them all and us to the Father and to make us a perfect offering to purify us by his grace and his mercy so that we are a worthy offering to the Father. This is prayer. Enter into that reality of what's taking place. And we, when we come forward for Holy Communion to remind ourselves, we are the bride and we are coming to receive our bridegroom. And, and in this case, it's not, it's, it, we become, yes, we really do become what we eat because when we eat the body, blood, soul, and divinity, the risen glorified body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in Holy Communion. He transforms us. And I hear the music. So on the other side of the break, we can talk about this transformation in Christ and what it means. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers and Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Please share with all your friends, family, neighbors, church groups. We have a Catholic Bible study and everyone is welcome to join us. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, February 24th. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for all those who support our radio station with your prayers, your sacrifices, those of you who support us financially, and those who support us by volunteering and by spreading the word. That's a, that's a good way to support us. Spread the word. Let everybody know about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. The more people who know, the more people can listen. And the whole po point of this apostolate that we carry on here is to try and bring us all closer to God. We desire to live more closely with God every day. This is our calling. As Catholic Christians, as you know, the first original Christians were Catholics. <laughs> that's, that's the reality. Jesus Christ only founded one church. So we're talking about transformation in Christ, that when we receive Jesus in the Eucharist, he comes to transform us. You know, it was a sad reality at the Protestant uh, revolt from the, the Catholic Church. There were some theologians who said that, well, you know, um, really, uh, grace doesn't do anything in us. It just covers over our sins. And God just kind of holds his nose and covers over our sins with his grace. And we're still rotten and, and depraved from within, and there's no redeeming us. But that's not the gospel that Jesus Christ preached. That's not the gospel that we, that, that's in the New Testament. Read it. Christ came to transform us into a living image of himself. He wants us to be like him. He wants us to live in union with him, to be one with him. And so with his grace, he transforms us little by little, day by day. He helps us to overcome the weakness of our flesh. And if we trust him, he can work great miracles of transformation within us. Great sinners become great saints. And it's not that they're just continuing to live their sinful life. They give up their sins. And, you know, even in the Old Testament here, in these readings from Lent, I really, really encourage everyone, if you're not going to daily mastering Lent, please at least every day look up the readings and spend time, spend a half an hour reading these. What does it mean to meditate? It just means to read and to mull over you know, Father William Wagner, a friend of ours in the um, Orders Canon Regular of the Holy Cross, they do the work of the Holy Angels. 
And he said, I like to tease people. You know, and I said, how many of you um, have a hard time meditating? He said, oh, everybody in the room will raise their hand. And I said, okay, when was the last time somebody hurt you? Um, that inner dialogue that you're carrying on about that hurt, that's meditation. It's not that you can't meditate. You need to cease the inner dialogue and change the subject of your meditation. We need to stop meditating on the things of this world and even the hurts that people inflict upon us in this world or hurts that we've inflicted on others in this world. We need to start meditating on God and what he's doing in our lives. So in Deuteronomy on, um, at the beginning of this week, this was Thursday, it was actually Ash Wednesday was the, Ash, this is the Thursday after, the Lord says through Moses, he says, today I have set before you life and prosperity, death and doom. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I enjoin on you today, loving him and walking in his ways and keeping his commandments, statutes and decrees, you will live and grow numerous and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to occupy. If, however, you turn away your hearts and will not listen, but are led astray and adore and serve other gods, I tell you now that you will certainly perish. You will not enter and occupy. Excuse me. You will not have a long life on the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and occupy. I call heaven and earth today to witness against you. I have set before you life and death, a blessing and a curse. Choose life then that you may live by loving the Lord your God, heeding his voice and holding fast to him. For that will mean life for you, a long life, to live on the land that the Lord swore he would give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then in the gospel of Thursday, that was yesterday, Jesus talks about the Son of Man is going to have to suffer and be uh, crucified and then raised on the third day. And then he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life must lose it. But whoever loses his life in this world, for my sake, will save it. What profit does it show for one to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit himself? So through Moses, the Lord is telling us to keep the commandments. And yes, you can keep them. And then Jesus is telling us that we have to deny ourselves. We have to practice fasting. We have to practice prayer. We have to stay united to the Lord. We have to take up our cross and follow him. And that means to say no to myself, no to the desires of my flesh, even legitimate desires at time, especially illegitimate desires, which is sin. Anything that's sinful is not a legitimate desire. It's a, it's a, it's a sin. It leads us away from God. So we have to give all those up and we have the power to do that with the grace of God. He's given us that power. And today's first reading is from Isaiah. That was for Friday. And Isaiah, the Lord tells Isaiah to cry out full-throated and unsparingly, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their wickedness and the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day and desire to know my ways like a nation that has done what is just and not abandoned the law of God. 
They ask me to declare what is due them. Place to gain access to God. Why do we fast and you not see it? Afflict ourselves and you take no note. And then God goes on to describe on your fast days, you pursue your own, your own desires, your own will. You know, you, you, you um, drive your laborers, your fasts end in quarreling and fighting. <laughs> Is that what I'm looking for? No, he says, I'm not looking for you to fast so that you can draw attention to yourself and, and be mean to other people. This is the fast that I desire. Releasing those bound unjustly, untying the thongs of the yoke, setting free the oppressed, breaking every yoke, sharing your bread with the hungry, sheltering the oppressed and the homeless, clothing the naked when you see them, and not turning your back on your own. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your wound shall be quickly healed. Your vindication shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, I am here. So we're supposed to break every yoke. And one of the yokes we're supposed to break is that yoke of sin. Admonish the sinner. We're supposed to warn our brothers when they sin. In charity, not in judgment and condemnation. When someone makes a mistake, we don't need to put them down and say, oh, you're worthless, you're no good. This is all you're ever going to be. No, God loves you. He desires great for, greatness for you. God made you for greatness, for union with him. And sin degrades you. Sin degrades you. Give up your sins. Ask the Lord for strength. And if you're having a hard time, then ask the Lord to glorify himself in your weakness and to help you overcome your weakness insofar as it pleases him to do so. I've used the example before of St. Mark Ji Tianqian, the Chinese martyr who died in the Boxer Revolution. He was a medical doctor. He lived in the late 1800s. And when he was in his mid-30s, and he served the poor. He took care of the poor free of charge. And he was a pillar of his Christian community, his Christian Catholic community in China. And then he got a stomach ailment that was extremely painful, and he started taking opium as the painkiller and he became hopelessly addicted and he kept going to mass he kept going to confession he kept receiving holy communion but after a couple years the priest and in those days they didn't understand the nature of addiction and the priest said if you were really sorry for this you would give it up that's what they believed and you know that's a lot of people still believe that today they look at someone who's addicted and they say if you were really sorry you would give it up well you know what jesus says come to me in your weakness Strive against it, but trust me to transform you even in the midst of your weakness. Don't beat yourself up about it and don't be looking at yourself and saying you don't deserve my grace. Come to me and trust me that I will give you the grace. And even if you don't overcome the addiction, that if you trust in the Lord, and this is St. Mark G., the priest eventually refused him absolution and told him he couldn't receive Holy Communion until he gave up his addiction to opium. So by the time he's 40 years old, he's refused Holy Communion and absolution. He can't even go to confession until he stops taking opium. And so he prayed and he begged the Lord. He prayed. He never gave up praying. He never complained against the priest. He didn't leave the church. He didn't leave Jesus Christ. He stayed close to him and he prayed and he said, Lord, grant me the grace of martyrdom because it's the only way that I can be saved. And you know what? In the Boxer Revolution in the early 1900s, 
he was granted the grace to die. With nine other members of his family, two of his own children and other relatives. And when the ten of them were brought up to the executioner, St. Mark said to the executioner, execute me last so that I, so that none of my family members has to face this alone. And that they, res- they did. They honored that request. So he never gave up Christ, but he asked the Lord to give him the grace of salvation. And that's it. Just keep praying. Don't give up on the Lord. Don't despair. Even if you seem to have an addiction you can't overcome. Ask the Lord and acknowledge that it hurts you and it hurts the people around you. And ask the Lord to heal the hurts. God can do anything. God can do anything. He can calm the storm. Remember, he calmed the storm on the lake. He can command bread to be multiplied. He multiplied the loaves and the fishes to feed thousands of people. And that was a real miracle of multiplication. <laughs> and, and then he changes bread and wine into his own body, blood, soul, and divinity. He can free us from sin and the power of sin. He can transform us. St. Paul says this in his letter. And this is the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. I live now, not I, but Jesus Christ lives in me. Yes, I still live my life in the body, my human life on this earth, but it is a life of faith in Jesus Christ. So we're called to transformation, but we need to pray. Prayer, union with God, and especially devotion to Jesus in the Holy Eucharist is what will bring about that transformation and that final victory over our flesh. Don't go away. We'll be back with more on Bible with Barbers. And please share this with your friends and family. Let people know. And thank you for all of those who support us and all the radio stations that pick up our signal. We want to thank you. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Again, thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, February 24, 2023. And I want to remind you, please share this with everyone. Let all your friends and neighbors and church people and people you work with, everyone you meet, know about this Virgin Most Powerful Radio and all the great programs we have to try and help build us up in the faith. The whole point of this is to build us up in the faith. We can live our faith more fully every day because we're called. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ. And so in order to be an ambassador, we have to be prepared and we have to know who Jesus Christ is, and, and what he offers us. And so uh, thank you to the radio stations that pick us up. Thank you to our benefactors, um, those who support us financially, those who support us with your prayers and sacrifices, those who volunteer to help us. We can't carry on the apostolate without the support of those around us. And I remember, you know, I grew up in the Legion of Mary. I was an active member. Um, and in the Legion of Mary, they taught us for every active member, for every member who's out there on the front line doing after work, you should have 10 people, at least 10 people behind you praying for you and your work. So thank you for all of those of you who pray and sacrifice, and especially those who are suffering who are praying. It has great meaning. Your suffering has great meaning. All of our suffering can be offered up in union with Jesus to help redeem the world, and it has tremendous meaning, and it's redemptive, and um, we can do it for love of Jesus and in union with his love for us. So how do we know that we're actually called to this transformation in Christ? I talked about Paul talking about it is I who live now, not I, but Christ lives in me. But the second reading on Ash Wednesday was from 2 Corinthians 5, 20 through 6, 2. And it says there, brothers and sisters, we are ambassadors for Christ. As if God were appealing through us, 
We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who did not know sin. Jesus Christ was made to be sin. The punishment for sin, the cross, look over my shoulder. Yes, he took upon himself the punishment for our sins. Made him to be sin who did not know sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Okay? In Christ, we become the righteousness of God. We're not dunghills covered with snow. We're not totally depraved. By the grace of God, we can be transformed into the righteousness of God through Christ, through Jesus Christ, who suffers on our behalf. Not so that we don't have to suffer, so but all of our suffering then has meaning in union with Jesus. Working together then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I heard you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is a very acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And the church uses this reading during Lent to say, now, now, turn back to the Lord. Repent. To turn back to the Lord means to turn away from sin. There's no sin in God. There's no evil in God. There's no deception. He can neither deceive he can, nor be deceived. So we turn away from sin and turn back to God. And in the prophet, for the reading from the prophet Joel for Ash Wednesday, it said, even now, says the Lord, return to me with your whole heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts, not your garments, and return to the Lord your God. For gracious and merciful is he, slow to anger, rich in kindness, and relenting in punishment. Remember, he didn't punish Nineveh. When Jonah preached to Nineveh, God relented in the punishment he had planned. They repented. They gave up their sins. They repented. They fasted and sackcloth and ashes and neither man nor beast was to eat or drink anything for three days. And every man was to turn aside from the violence he had at hand. Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Then perhaps he will relent and leave behind him a blessing, offering and libations for the Lord your God. So proclaim a fast, call an assembly, gather the people, notify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the infants at the breast between, let the bridegroom quit his room and the bride her chamber between the porch and the altar. Let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep and say, spare, O Lord, your people and make not your heritage a reproach with the nations ruling over them. Why should the people say, where is their God? And I know a lot of people now feel that that's the situation we're in. But again, have we turned to the Lord? Or have we been trying to live this life, this double life of being worldly and yet practicing our religion, but not giving up being worldly? You know, it's interesting. St. Therese of Lezou writes in her autobiography that at one point, her mother and father moved near um, some of the relatives and they were living near them, but they decided not to stay very long because they recognized that that family was very clever at mixing being worldly with the practice of their religion. And Zelie and Louis Martin had decided and resolved 
to raise their children in such a manner that their children would become saints. This is not pretentious. <laughs> Sanctity is not the option of the few. It's the simple duty of us all. We are called to live in union with God. And that's what they wanted for their family. And Zellie Martin, they, you know, Lewis Martin was a watchmaker. And he was a good watchmaker. But his wife was a lace maker. And she was in Alencon, France. And she was the best lace maker in Alencon. And, and Alencon lace was apparently world famous. And she was the best lace maker in Alencon. And she was so successful at lace making and she taught other women how to make lace that she had her own business. And Lewis gave up watchmaking in order to run the business. <laughs> and they were able to support their family. And so, but they understood that this is all for the glory of God. Do everything for the glory of God, not for ourselves, not to draw attention to ourselves. They weren't, you know, people, if we go around in our religious practice saying, oh, well, I did this and I fast this often and I did this and I'm, you know what? We're talking about ourselves. We need to give all of that up. Take up our cross daily and follow the Lord. And taking up our cross daily is that doing our duties of our state in life. The duties of our state in life are the, are the primary way of our salvation. So if you're married and you have a family, you serve your family for love of Christ. And you have to teach your children. You are the first educators of your children in the faith and of all aspects of life. And you teach them a way, according to the ways of God. And you raise them up. So you need to shut the TVs off. You need to shut the computers off. You need to get rid of some of the, uh, you know, the social media. It's like, no, we need to really, truly, and this is during Lent, during Lent, right? We're supposed to be fasting. Well, how are we going to fast? We need to replace it with something else. We need to, because our body really has a need for food, but we need to replace that need with something else. So when you fast, the food that you've given up, collect that money, the money that you've saved from, from not spending, like you've decided I'm not going to eat out during Lent. Okay, all the money that you saved, you can give that to the poor. All right, we're supposed to remember that, that what the Old Testament reading said about, th this is the fasting I desire, that you free those who are oppressed and that you break every yoke and, and that you uh, feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty and clothe the naked. So when we give up things of this world, the financial benefits that that brings us, we're supposed to share those with the poor. Spend time praying. Okay. I'm going to eat a simpler meal. I'm not going to make these complicated, fancy meals that just please my palate. I'm not going to spend so much time cooking. I'll cook simple meals that are nutritious and that will um, build my body up in nutrition, but not fancy meals that take a long time to prepare. I'll make simple meals, and then I'll spend extra time praying. Maybe pray a rosary before, the, before I eat supper. Um, maybe uh, read 15 minutes of, of scripture before I eat breakfast, or, and, and um, add the chaplet of mercy at lunchtime, and add more, but not, not just saying words. Truly entering into a conversation with God when we're praying to speak to the Lord and to be silent and listen to him speak to us. For those of, who are able, whose duties in their state in life allow it, go to daily mass during Lent. If your duties in your state in life don't allow for that, look up the readings daily. Every day of Lent, there's special readings from the scripture. Look up those readings and meditate on them. Spend time. Spend 15 minutes, a half an hour. If you can't go to mass every day, See if you can make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament every day. Take a half an hour and go pray the rosary or the Stations of the Cross 
or the Chaplet of Mercy before our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. And not don't say the rosary as if you're just saying, I want to get these five decades over with. I can do this in 12 minutes. I can do this in 15 minutes. No, stop and think about the mysteries. Stop and think about the words that you say. What do they mean? And how is this calling me to change my life? How should my life change to reflect the mysteries that I meditate on in the rosary and in the scriptures? So it's not just about saying, I can't do this and I can't do that. And I'm, it's about turning back to the Lord and especially confession. Start, you know, people don't wait for the penance services that come the last two weeks before Easter. Go to confession now. Go to confession today. I know San, uh, here in San Gabriel Valley, San Lorenzo Ruiz Parish has confessions Friday evening. And I believe they have a 7 p.m. mass. And I believe the confessions afterwards. Sacred Heart in Covina has confessions beginning at, I believe, at 7.30 p.m. And then going until the last penitent. So you can, hey, everybody can come because the priest said they'll stay. So there's no, there's no limit to the, the number of hours they'll hear confession if people will come. Go to confession. We need to confess our sins. Nothing imperfect or impure will get into heaven. We have to confess our sins. You know, this is one of the problems Adam and Eve had in the beginning, isn't it? When Adam sinned and the Lord called him on it, what did he say to the Lord? Well, Lord, you know, the woman, and it wasn't just the woman, it was the woman that you put here with me, Lord. He doesn't take responsibility for the fact that he disobeyed God. And Eve learns very quickly. And um, wait a minute, me? What? what are you talking about? Me? It's not all my fault. Oh, the serpent. It was the serpent. And instead of saying, yes, Lord, I, I disobeyed. And that's what we need to do. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, yes, I have offended you by my sin. When you go to confession, before you even examine your conscience, try and look at the cross for five minutes and really remind yourself, me, remind myself, Jesus Christ did this. He suffered all of this because of my sins. And if I were the only one who had ever sinned, he would have done it for me. Confession, mass, read your scriptures, pray your rosary, but pray, enter into conversation with God. Before you begin your prayer, recall that God is God and I am not, and that he is present to me and I want to be present to him so that he can speak to me. Prayer is supposed to be a dialogue. So enter into that prayer, allow the Lord to transform us into a living image of himself so that we can spread the fragrance of Christ throughout our world and that our world can come to know that God really does exist and he really does love us. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. Thank you for your prayers and sacrifices. Please keep this apostolate in your prayers and thank you for your financial support. Thank you to the radio stations who pick up our signal. Thank you to all of those of you who listen and those who ask questions on the app. If I haven't answered your questions yet, send them in again. I'll try and get to them. I'm working on them. So thank you. And I hope you'll be back with us next week on Bible with the Barbers and tell everyone about Virgin Most Powerful Radio.